Hello and welcome. This is Mish Daniel from Revolve Commercial. I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. We are going to be sharing with you some fantastic pieces of information. So whether you're driving or out walking your dog or just want to learn, I really appreciate you being here. And I commend you for taking the time out of your busy day to invest in your knowledge of the commercial property industry. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And just for those newcomers, I help investors generate cash flow on autopilot by acquiring high yielding commercial properties to help you grow your successful portfolio. So let's get into it straight away. Firstly, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us today, where um, we're going to be having a little discussion about where your cash flow could be in 12 months from now by investing in commercial property. I'm with Renee Thomas today, and uh, we are going to be having a little chat about this and a couple of other things. So we're going to give you three reasons today in why we think that investing in commercial real estate is still the number one place to be parking your capital. So reason number one, you've got equity in your home or you're sitting on a pile of cash and you want to make a smart investment. Is investing in commercial property a good idea? We're going to drill down on that and pull it to pieces and um, come back to you on reason one. Reason number two, I'm going to give you a practical example of how $400,000 on a deposit could produce a commercial property that is going to yield you very good into the future. And reason number three, I know some of you are unsure uh, how to find a commercial property and how the numbers will work. So we're just going to run through a quick little um, cash flow uh, calculator to show you how this could work for you. So for those of you that don't know me, my name's Mish Daniel. I've been playing in the real estate space for over 30 years, and my passion is doing uplift properties and, of course, commercial. I'm joined today by a very special friend and industry expert, Renee Thomas, who is, in fact, our very own asset manager at Revolve Commercial. And, uh, Renee, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Do you want to just tell our audience a, a little snippet on who you are and what you do best? Hi, I'm Renee Thomas, so I've been working in commercial real estate for a good on five years now, probably a little longer. Prior to COVID, I had the absolute pleasure of traveling the Eastern Seaboard and looking for commercial real estate for private investors. And I do do a little bit of property management as well. Um, and I like to take all that knowledge and all that that I've learned and pass it on and let everybody else get behind the veil of commercial real estate. I do remember when I was first looking at it and having conversations with people about it, it just, it seemed really hard and really difficult. And like I needed James Packer's legal team and like it was, it looked beyond my reach and capacity. Um, and I guess we're just here today to tell you that it is within your reach and within your capacity and you too can hold commercial real estate. You actually own quite a couple of commercial properties yourself um, yeah. and you've owned properties all over the, the, the country. You've, you've owned a lot of uh, residential property that I know. Um, yeah. And uh, you've converted most of your residentials into um, commercial, haven't you? Well, when I say converted them, you've sold off the residential to go into commercial. Yeah, yeah. So I have a couple of little commercial projects that I'm still finishing up. And I did buy them really, really cheap. Like people wouldn't believe that you can buy under 100000 And I have. I bought a couple of them because when I started in this game, I was a single mum with four kids. So, you know, I don't always like I understand and appreciate that people don't have the budget of James Packer. 
Um, so yes, yeah, so I start small and I, I'm slowly building that up. So it is possible. Like, you know, I know today we'll probably discuss some big numbers and that might make, you know, some people quite wary, but you can do it, uh, little deals as well on the side. That's how I started. And I know a few other people have as well. And, and often they were uh, those of us who went with others fear to tread, you know, like when people are like, oh, you know, there's a lot of fear in the market and trepidation, I just probably have the bad habit or the good fortune sometimes of jumping in boots and all and so I've started small uh, and I'm still building now so I, I won't say I'm in the big boys club yet but you know you, you have to start somewhere and I appreciate that too. Absolutely we, we've all got to start somewhere and, and good on you you've, you've seen the light and you've um, changed camps so <laughs> keep going. We started off by saying we're going to discuss a couple of reasons of um, you know why we think commercial property is definitely the place to go. So one of the reasons is you're sitting on a pile of cash and you want to make a, a, a smart investment. A lot of people are in that position where they're sitting on, on cash um, and they're wondering about whether it is a good idea to go and pop it into commercial uh, property. Can you think of a couple of reasons why this would be a good a good thing to do and uh, how you would suggest that they go about it? Oh, look, it's, it's Commercial real estate is always for those in the industry that are higher return on investment. You're going to get more out of commercial real estate than what you will in residential, you know, 95% of the time. Um, and the other one is with commercial real estate, it can be many things. Like you can have a shed that can turn into, you know, a, a gym, then, then it's next life. It can be something else and so forth. And then, you know, before you know it, you, you've got a lot of scope with commercial that you don't have with residential. In residential, a house is a house. Or in a commercial, there's nothing to stop in 20 years that that shed then turns into a medical centre, depending on its location. So commercial, to me, has a lot more um, scope to appeal to a wider range of the market than just renting out a house. And so, therefore, also people who go into commercial, into your premises, they have a vested interest in looking after it because their business is running from there. Their livelihood is running from there where that's not always the case when it comes to residential. It's not their livelihood. They can just go and get another house. And so sometimes I find, you know, it's not to say that you don't have the bad apples when it comes to commercial real estate, but probably I feel like it's less in commercial real estate than what it is in residential. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of interesting you talk about the bad apple because uh, often what you find is people are running their businesses out of their property, which means that they might be having clients come to their property so they could live in slums, but in their in their commercial space, they wanting to they wanting their public uh, profile to be yeah. the best that it possibly is, you know. Yeah. Unless yeah. they really are not a good tenant, but then um, that's an opportunity to say goodbye to the tenant and and you know get some some uplift on the property and change yeah. that around. So. Yeah. Um, Generally, I mean, you've seen thousands of properties. Um, um, I mean, it was that's that's been your livelihood for quite a long time, going and seeing properties. And I know you've you've seen some pretty classics, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes. And look, I've I've also seen a bad story turn into a good story as well. Um, it will depend on a few factors, and and sometimes it's also your mindset. Um, you know, that can be the biggest roadblock as well. Um, and sometimes I feel like tenants have more vision for your commercial property than some investors do. They just don't have that type of vision. So as long as you can, you know, open your mind and and, and work within those parameters of your commercial real estate can possibly at some point in its life turn into many things. You'll probably do well and you'll be open to it. 
you 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 mentioned um, some bad stories that have turned into some good stories. Can you think of any of those off the top of your head? Well, look, one of the first things is to have a vested interest in your tenants, and by that I don't mean invite them around for a Sunday barbecue every day. I'm just talking about you know making sure that your property manager, or unless you're managing it yourself, which I wouldn't recommend, your property manager is you know on on the job and making sure that the little things are fixed because often it's always the little things so that that's one thing so I've seen bad property management basically bring down a building people refuse to sign leases yeah and therefore you know then when you go to sell it back to the market the whale is low and things like that for those of you who don't understand it's your um weighted average lease expiry which is something that's important to the banks um so look yeah and I've also seen where um you know people were open to a different type of clientele coming into their property you know it might have been um a hairdresser or a beauty spa and then often the way that they're configured then can entice medical rooms Mm. um you just because you know beauty therapists always have to have the plumbing to each room for procedures and treatments that they're doing and then that's something that medical looks for so you know like I've, I've seen lots of good stories and I've also seen a few bad stories but depending on where you want your story to go is going to come to you know you as a person and the team around you the team around you can make a difference from the property management to when you buy the property because remember when you buy the property the real estate agent does not work for you the real estate agent works for the seller and I don't know how many times you say that to people and I find that they just end up, you know, cutting their own nose off to spite their face because they don't listen to that advice and don't understand that the real estate agent does not work for you. He never has or she and never will. They work for themselves. Um, so I really think that's important to understand too. Um, very, yeah. very important. Yeah, very important. I mean, we've got classic cases of um, clients that have come, come to us after they've bought properties And they've said, oh, but the real estate agent was really, really lovely. And they've said this property is an 8% yielding property. And my my question is, first question is always, um, who ran the numbers? No, 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 they ran the numbers for me. And I'd say, great, okay, let's have a look at it. And um, what's the first thing that we find is that the rental's inflated or they haven't haven't taken into consideration... um, so many of the 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 um the costs in the outgoings so they've left everything off why would they do that well because they work for the seller not for the buyer they just want to hoodwink you along to to go and buy the property so very very important what you've just said there i totally agree with disclaimer in there mish it's not every real estate agent you know but and a lot of times well, some of them are busy and they are relying on information handed to them and they really don't have time to fact check it. They're not the ABC. They're not going to run the fact checks for you. Um, that's up to you to do that. But if you don't understand the full scope and gamut required, then you don't know what to ask for if you don't know. And of course, and I mean, your, your, sell, your selling agent's never going to do your due diligence for you. you no. know? <laughs> They're just no. going to give you what they want you to hear. Yeah. Yes, and and yeah, often you will find them balking at certain requests as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So, look, going back to this, if you have equity um in your home, like get on it, use it, get in, get that out of your residential and get it into commercial. Now, Rena, 
why why would you be saying that because i mean a lot of people are asking me this and saying yeah but where the rates are at the moment the rates are so high they're paying 5.5 or 5.8% on their on their property and then if they're buying a property that's only 6% or 6.5% you know that it's that it's very tight so okay Look, okay, so everyone um, who probably follows me or doesn't follow me, like when you say the rates are high, yeah, okay, they're not really in comparative to the long term to what it has been. That's not to say they're not going higher. Now, I believe that, yes, they will go higher. But often when interest rates go high, yes, you will, in the first uptick, you will have uh, asset prices go down slightly as things start to rebalance a bit. In amongst all of this currently, currently at the market conditions in, what are we, November 2022, interest rates are going up, but our problem at the moment is supply and demand when it comes to labour. So you will see creeping into the market because it's it's the only way the game has to play now is wages and salaries will go up. Because when there's supply and demand, as we all know, when there's not enough workers or labour within the market, and I mean, we can only at the moment due to COVID uh, imported um, some labour, but this is a worldwide phenomenon. Now, why it exists, I'm not really sure. I mean, there are a lot of theories about that. It could just be that the baby boomer generation have been forced into an early retirement. I know maybe more people died in COVID than what we were told, whatever. It's, it's irrelevant to me at the moment, the conspiracy theories. The point is, and it's around the world, there is a labour shortage. And when you have a labour shortage, the way that you get labour at your business over someone else's is a wage increase. How am I going to offer that if interest rates go up? Well, there are things happening in the background right now, uh, and I haven't read them all, but industrial relations are changing. Bargaining is changing. So these factors will play into the market. The labour demand, the supply, a lack of supply of labour, and the industrial relations um, changes that the government board now. They are most likely going to push wages up and push them up quite rapidly and so yes we probably will get some pain with interest rates but if you can afford to and I'm not telling you know someone who can't afford it but if you can afford to then why wouldn't you buy and hold down because in my mind right now we're going back to you know the 1980s when interest rates were you know everyone was whinging about interest rates being at seven percent and asset prices were sixty thousand then fast forward five to 10 years and your asset that was at 60,000 residential, for example, is all of a sudden now worth 120 and then gone up. So that short-term pain has given you such a long-term gain in the market and the equity that you have created by actually doing nothing but sitting on your couch and Netflixing and going to work is, <laughs> you know, amazing. I mean, that's what, that's whether you like it or not, that's what, you know, your capital, your, um, your capital gain is you you're not really doing anything i mean sometimes yes you can manufacture it but if the whole market the whole tide around you is lifting through um wages, yeah, yeah get on it you'd be but, a fool to but you know again there's time in the market and timing in the market how long you're going to be in the market and when you're buying into the market i would buy into the market and am trying again right now personally that's what I believe. I believe we're back at like the 1980s again. Interest rates will go up. Wages will go up. Asset prices will sit down a little bit before things then resettle. Uh, because remember, originally your wage might have been $20,000 and the, and the house was $50,000.
So as your wage goes up and your loan repayment, you know, your loan value goes down, that 60,000 house that you're then paying off at 50,000, but you could now sell back to the market at 120 in the 1990s, you know, that's now worth 400,000 um, in most cases. Again, individually, it will vary geographically where you are located around Australia, but I'm talking as a generalisation. Of course. Um, and I think and I think that's what the economists are talking about as well. I mean, uh, we follow... We follow a couple of economists that are saying pretty much the same thing right now that, um, you know, this it's inevitable. This has to happen. And I've been hearing the same from various different uh, economists yeah. at, with, with various different points of view. And they're saying pretty much the same thing, you know, and it's a cycle. It's a cycle yeah. that, that we're in. We've been yeah. through the spike. Uh, I think where, where a lot of people are kind of getting stuck on is that, is that um, the interest rates went right down to, to virtually zero. I mean, there were negative interest rates in, in some countries. Fortunately, we didn't get there. Um, but it's, it's had a huge impact in, in what's happened in the market. And I'm certainly seeing the market starting to balance back again. I want to call it balance back pre-2019. But I feel like they pulled the rubber band all the way back and she's ready to fly. Oh, there you we know? go. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's what exactly I feel exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. Look, I think if, if, if anything, there's a bit of a shortage of stock right now because anybody that owns property is kind of looking at it and saying, whoa, hang on, wait a minute. You know, I'm just going to sit, sit on this and ride it out. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, if, you, if you're sitting on, on that pile of cash. Why are you sitting on a pile of cash? <laughs> well, yeah, look, you need, a, you know, a certain amount of cash. Yes, I understand that and having a bit of reserve. Yeah. Um, Really, like, you know, for some of those big players out in the market, do you really need, like, half a million to three million in the bank doing what? Like, when you could be making that money work for you and work for you in the long term. Well, I think what a lot of people are doing, Rena, and while I'm speaking to them, a lot of people are saying, yep, they want to invest their equity into, into a, um, a good asset, but at the same time, they, they want a little bit of buffer. And I think that's really good. You do need to have buffer. And, and, and we always say, don't spend everything that you have. You always need to have that, that buffer in the event of life happening, okay? Um, yeah. But it's a matter of building up your equity. So yeah. um, how do you build up your equity? You build it up by, by owning assets, by owning bricks and mortar. By as you said earlier, um, you know you could buy residential and clean it up, fix it up, um, renovate it, add value, or you could do and you can do exactly the same strategy in commercial. Um, however, in commercial, yeah. your opportunity to add value is a hell of a lot greater because you've got more exit strategies, and um, your yeah. renovations are generally quite a lot cheaper as well. So um, it's a you know, from that perspective, um, if you're valuing up one to the other, very different, you know, different sort of, of animal. There's lots of ways to create equity in your commercial property, but I feel only in your residential, there's only one way and that's, you know, just to pretty it up a bit. Where in commercial, you can, you can have a higher level A-grade tenant and therefore you can then charge a higher price where you Absolutely. can't do that. Like, you know, in residential, if you have a doctor move into your house, you can't go, well, oh, you're a doctor, so I'm going to charge you more. But you can <laughs> legally do that with commercial. Your commercial can go, okay, this is medical, and therefore the, the square metre per medical in the area is this, and that's what we expect you to pay. So you can do those things in, you know, commercial that you cannot do in residential. 
And also in, in something like medical or allied medical, I think they expect to pay a higher rate. Their leases are a lot longer, which means that your whale is longer. And bearing in mind, uh, a lot of people don't know that um, your rental income is 100% responsible for the value of your commercial property. So you could buy property, let's, let's just say you buy property for 400,000, okay, argument's sake. And let's compare 400,000 residential property, you maybe get a rental of, of what, uh, 50, 80K a year, uh, and that's gross, all right? In a commercial property, you could buy a property for 400K, um, have a change of tenant, put a medical tenant in there. Now suddenly you're receiving a rental of 150,000 because you've yeah. done a fit out, it's taken, a, and, and with all due respect, doing properties like that does take a little bit longer. Um, yeah. But now you've got a property that's worth 1.2 million. You could yeah. never yeah. ever do that in residential. So we've actually got some case studies on our website where we show you um, a property yeah. that was exactly that, 400, 400K, and um, the property is now worth 1.3 million, in fact. So go along to the website, revolvecommercial.com.au and have a look under the case studies. You'll see that one. I just want to say it another way because everyone kind of learns different. So yeah. you and I, Mish, can both have the same shed side by side and we can have the same fit out. Uh, but if my tenant per square meter is medical and paying higher and your tenant per square meter is a mechanic and paying lower, the value of that property will go up based on the value of that lease. So my property with the doctor in it is possibly going to be worth 1.2 million and your property with the mechanic in it is possibly only going to be worth, you know, um, maybe 800 to 900,000. Absolutely. So those things can add the equity and the value to your property that you can't do in residential. So in residential, you know, a four bedroom house is what it is. Um, yeah. You can't really, unless, you know, it's a, it's a you know, shit hot renovation, excuse my French. You could probably charge a little bit more, but you, you can't say you're a better tenant, so I'm going to charge you more money. Not that a mechanic is a bad tenant, but, you know, often they will go into a different style building. But it's important that people understand the value of the building is not assessed individually. It's the value of the loan, oh, sorry, the um, lease that adds the value to the building. So it's a, it's a combination of things in commercial. It's the value of your lease, your quality yeah. of your tenant, your whale, uh, so yeah. the length of your lease. Um, yeah. And and when you're purchasing those properties, if you've got all of those, if all of those stars aligned, you'll find that the, the cost of that property is going to be slightly higher, which means that your cap rate is going to be less. So your, your cap rate, the yield that you're going to be getting getting that property at. However, you need to have, have a look at the difference of how that's going to service you over a long period of time. Because if you've got a doctor in there that's got a 5 plus 5 plus 5, 15 years lease with a 4% incremental increase, or in, at the moment CPI is, is king of the, um, the incremental increases, that's um, long-term investment again commercial is a long-term game it's not a short-term investment so if you if you're buying a, a, a property you really want to be having a look at what your rates are going to be over a long period of time we like to look at 10 years and um, through history they've always found and we've always come back to the same thing that commercial investments commercial real estate has performed better than any stock stock market 
you know, putting your money in now might be a little bit painful. It might be short-term pain, long-term gain. I want to show a couple of examples of um, what 400,000 can do for you. So a lot of people have got on average uh, three, 400,000 that they've got an equity or they've got, um, you know, um, as a, a drawdown or line of credit. I work on spreadsheets for everything. You know, commercial is very much a numbers game. Um, and I've just um, done a little, a little sort of snap spreadsheet to have a look at. Um, and this will be available in the notes for those of you that can't see the screen, that are listening to the podcast. We'll make the spreadsheet available for you. So we've got, I've got a spreadsheet uh, and I've, I've worked on a range from 200,000 to about 1.4 million. For the purpose of the exercise, let's work on 400,000, 60% LVR. Um, which is going to give you a property to the value of a million dollars. Now, a million dollars on your average yield that you're wanting to be achieving is between six and seven percent. So for the purpose of this exercise, I'm saying let's go for seven percent. It's easy round numbers, which gives you a rental income of on average 70,000. And again, interest rate over a 10 year period, I'm saying four percent interest rate is a good interest rate to be earning. And again, on average, over 10%, over 10 years, that's that's where it should be. And at 4%, that's 40,000 per annum, which gives you a cash flow of $30,000. So 30,000, um, and we're just working on averages, and these are all round figures, is pretty good cash flow to be getting out of a, a, a $400,000 equity that you've put in, bearing in mind that this is now a an asset that is gentrifying, it's growing, you can add value to it. So this is very, very basic. I would call this a vanilla um, sort of property where you're not doing anything to it. Um, and in the first year, you're earning that 30,000 in cash flow. Now, a lot of people ask me on something like this, um, how would they add value? How can they make more money out of it? Well, we've spoken about adding value and there's, there's a thousand ways to add value to your property. The first thing that you want to be looking at are your rentals, your rental income, adding values, incremental increases. Um, and there's, there's a range putting storage, uh, charging for parking. Um, there's a whole lot of things. I'm not going to go into that right now. I've also done another spreadsheet on a 70% LVR um, and lenders are pretty much throwing as much as they can out there. So at 400,000, at 70%, you'd be buying a property. And when I say budget, it's the budget at which you can purchase a property. So your purchase price would be 1.33 million. Uh, your rental would be 70,000 if it's a 7% yielding property. And your cash flow on that at 4% would be 16,667. Those figures aren't, they're not stagnant. Those figures no. can change. And, yeah. So, and as your interest rate goes up, your tenant will expect you to pass on a rise in the lease. So, it's important that you understand that that sixteen thousand, that it's not impossible for that to turn into twenty five thousand, even though your interest rate might might go up. It's important that you keep that in bear it in mind. mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's very locked into your CPI or your incremental yeah. increase. And that's why you have that increase. Um, yeah. You know, so it's very important to understand your lease. And when you're buying a property to have a look at that lease and have a look at what are the opportunities in the lease 
where you can add the value and catch up with the market or um, supersede the market in many cases. So a lot of people um, are very unsure on how to find a property and how to make the numbers work. And this is pretty much what we do all day is we work on those numbers, we make those numbers work. I did promise right at the beginning that um, we'd be having a look at a case study. And Renee, this is a property that you actually worked on. It's uh, Crocodile Crescent. Lovely property. I fell in love with this property and not that it's anything beautiful to look at, but I think the numbers were great as an entry level property. What did you like about this property, Renee? I like its location to where it is and I like that it's industrial. Um, it's in an industrial area um, because, you know, and well, particularly at the moment, like that sort of, that is definitely an area at the moment that's kind of moving. You when you just struggle to get tradies at the moment and to get trades and supply and whatever. So there's a little bit of pent up demand, I guess, in that area. So I thought it, it suited the geographical location of Townsville as well. You know, when you just have on the ground floor space, that's one thing. But when you can add more floor space to a mezzanine like that, that's another thing that I like in these type of properties. I liked its access. I liked, because it's in the industrial, I liked its truck access as well, because that's something that you need to think about when you're in industrial um, and it looks pretty like low maintenance gardens and things like that. So you also then need to delve into the strata. I like the company as well. It was being currently, it was a smaller company bought out by a bigger one. Um, so I liked that as well for the longevity of, you know, the, the, with the, um, the tenant and the fact that there was, I guess, more power, buying power, monetary power value behind the new tenant in there as opposed to the small guy. Um, that's not to say I don't like the small guy. It's just it's just something to think about, you know. If you've got a yeah. McDonald's there, it might be better than you know mum and dad's fish and chip shop, which you know they might want to scale back hours or, or whatever. Like again, you always got to. There's nothing wrong with with mum and dad's fish and chip shop, especially when they've been there for like 15 years. <laughs> but, exactly. but you yeah. do need to take that kind of in consideration when you're looking at it. So I liked that at the current time that the tenant, that sorry the person was purchasing this property it had just switched over to a bigger company it'd been brought out so you know I like that yeah and there's and I mean realistically there are always pros and cons to every yeah. property that you buy um, and I yeah. always say uh, our job is to look for those red flags um, yeah. and in this property there were a couple of sniggles and snags here and there do you remember what those red flags were uh, there was a few water leaks and stuff like that but that um, was up to strata which they're still at the moment, it's quite difficult to get tradies in Townsville. <clears throat> so that is still happening currently. And I think there was just maybe a, a, a door that needed to be replaced or something with the door on there. And that was yeah. about all I can think of for that one. Yes, and, and, and I remember was, in, in the strata, they had, they had spoken about some, there was, uh, in, there was flammable material in one of the walls, um, which was which didn't exist so it was actually a mistake that strata had made that we picked up in the strata report if you remember and we had to yeah. go back we had to get strata to change that and they admitted that actually there is no wall it was no yeah <laughs> exactly so that's that's to do with um the unfortunate incident overseas with the the immigrant blocks in i think the uk where Great. the material used was quite flammable and so they oh. checked every bit around Australia and somehow in this one they had said shall we check it and someone said no uh, and they didn't say why and there was 
um, they thought some flammable, but it wasn't. It's a tin shed. So the reason to check it was there's no point. It's a tin shed. There's no yeah. wall there. There's no flammable materials. It's a tin Absolutely. shed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just communication uh, and the way it was written down. But, I, yeah, that, that got rectified. Um, yeah, definitely. But you do have to watch the, you know, it, it, we're dealing with humans. There are errors. There are, you know, nothing's perfect. But I guess the more eyes you have on the prize, then hopefully the less chance there is of something slipping through that, that shouldn't be there that can affect you. So that, that's why, you know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for a buyer's agency because, you know, it's a mentor. It's someone to help you and, and to ask the hard questions that you might not be aware of. Absolutely. And that's why you have a uh, buyer's agent because as buyer's agents, we're, um, we're looking for those red flags. We go out hunting for those red, red flags and solve those, those problems because uh, mm. we actually had to go back and get the strata to remove that. And they looked at it and they said, oh, yeah, actually, you're right. There, there are no walls yeah. in this, in this uh, mm. complex. Let's just drill down on the numbers very quickly on this property in particular. It's just a, a little case study and, and um, just showing you how the numbers worked. So the purchase price was 650,000. I remember the price being closer to about 700 when we started the negotiation, but we settled at 650 as a purchase price. The net income was 45,670 per annum. Outgoings was yeah. 19,425. So the cash flow on this property was $26,027, which is really good for a $650,000 property. Um, and your net yield was worked out to 6.45 at the time. Now I know there's been a, a, a rental increase and I know this property is close to 7% at the moment. So your cash on cash investment, I think it was 220,000 um, cash that needed to go into this property. Um, and your cash on cash was 11.80%. Just from a, a simple little property, very manageable, very affordable. Um, I think that's pretty good to be earning twenty six thousand per annum out of um, 200, 220 odd that you're putting into it. And that's another thing too. Like, um, I just don't know whether everyone understands that because you know it's hard to know where where everyone in the audience is coming from. Like my little properties, for example, that were under fifty thousand, um, I'm fitting them out personally for me. But if I was to hand them over to somebody else, they would pay for that fit out of the property and therefore increase the value as well as pay me rent. It's you know in residential, it's important you understand you don't hand your property over to someone and they value add to it. Very rarely, you know, do they remodel the kitchen for you to a high standard. Like mm. that's something that you only get in commercial, um, and you're not paying for it, the, the tenant's paying for it because it's, you know, whatever their business is when they go in. So, yeah, so with, with this little one, yes, I really liked it. Um, I liked its location. Um, also because it is also close to the airport and the industrial. I forgot to add near the airport. Mm. Um, so that meant that, you know, you could attract someone who was dealing with flying goods in and out and things like that as well. So, and the, and the truck access. So, yeah, I really like this one. You know, I believe that the owner of that is pretty happy with, you know, sitting back and getting that amount of cash. Oh, um, and it's only with the rental increases and the value and, you know, the amount of his loan is going down. So yep, that's always a thing. He's, he's incredibly happy with it. And uh, I must say we're incredibly happy with it. And this is just one of many that, that we have been doing that we have done over the last couple of years. Renee, if anybody has got questions, uh, I'm going to invite them to book a call with us uh, or to get yeah. a free wealth grow plan you can go to our website revolvecommercial.com.au 
Um, there's lots of case studies. There's uh, lots of uh, information on the website uh, beyond uh, just booking a call. Rene, do you have any any more words of wisdom for our listeners today? You know, I know you don't know what you don't know, but that's why we're here to ask and guide you. And look, even a seasoned investor sometimes will come and get us, won't they? Because they don't have time to make the contact, the networks, the off-market deals that we get privy to. They don't have the time to travel around the countryside, you know, like we have had to do. So, you know, I'm a big advocate for the for the buyer's agents. I think they help you in so many ways that you don't even realise that you need to be helped, particularly if you're, you're starting starting out. I'm pleased you mentioned that the because um, a lot of people that, that do use our services are time poor. Um, they might have two or three or four um, commercial properties already. They've started to build their, their portfolios and they're looking for a... Uh, three or four million dollar property with good numbers they would reach out to us uh, and it's always a pleasure to work with them and to and to help them out but there's there's good opportunities no member no matter which range you're in so no matter which budget you're in okay at the end of the day it's the same we do apply exactly the same principles on uh, whatever properties and Rene you've worked on a couple of those there's a lot to know and it can be overwhelming. You know, I do I do remember that when I first started. It was overwhelming. So, it's you know, obviously I've got the advantage of working in the industry and having a massive team and network around me from various, you know, professionals, whether it's tax, accountant, um, buyers, agents, other, you know, other professionals, conveyances, town planners, you name it, everyone on the books. So that that makes you know I was in a privileged position so I do understand for a lot of people that you know you don't have that that's why you engage a buyer's agent to give you a hand and you get access to a lot of our network which you know may work in with some of your networks may not so look I think the end of the end of the world is just start you've just got to start somewhere yeah that's the key that's the key in anything just take that first step forward um and just approach us and have a conversation I mean if it's not for you it's not for you but you know, just start the ball rolling in life and, and get these things moving. Because in 10 years' time, you don't want to be looking back going, geez, I wish I'd bloody done something. Um, you want to be the person that did do something. It's uh, it's like the, the classic thing, when's a good time to plant a tree? If you want, if you want to reap the fruit, do it now. <laughs> well, there we go. Renee, thank you very much for joining us. I do appreciate it. I know your timing, your time is very, very tight and I really appreciate you uh, joining us. Thank you for joining us on the Revolve Commercial Property Podcast. Don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Cashflow on Autopilot with Revolve Commercial, where we share weekly updates on positive cashflow commercial properties currently on the market and how to acquire them. So go to Cashflow on Autopilot with Revolve Commercial or www.revolvecommercial.com.au.